Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I am your host, Justine Carino, licensed mental health counselor. I am here to lean into conversations about relationships, resilience, and recovery from life's challenges in order to support you on your journey to finding clarity in what you want for your future. We will talk about the things that no one else really wants to talk about in order to help you heal from past wounds and create a life that truly fulfills you. Please note, this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode from Thoughts from the Couch. I hope you're all out there enjoying your day today. I'm really excited about my guest today. Her name is Elena Brubaker, licensed marriage and family therapist in Rochester, New York. I came across Elena on Instagram and her posts about therapy and the therapeutic relationship really spoke to me because she makes therapy so relatable for people. And I love to see that. So Elena and I started engaging with each other on that platform and I've become such a fan of her messaging. I feel like I know her. So Elena, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your career? Yes. Hi, Justine. Thank you so much for having me. And the feeling is definitely mutual. So um, I started my therapy journey uh, going to the University of Rochester. I was in their marriage and family therapy program. And while I was there my second year, that's the internship year when you start doing therapy, I worked at their women's health clinic. And that's where I got my passion for women's mental health and just the particular issues that women deal with and struggle with and kind of the unique ways that that mental health shows up for women. So after I graduated from grad school, they actually hired me on as a staff therapist. And so I just continued to really love working with women and continue kind of seeing unique, but, but, but different ways that, that things were showing up for women. And and one of them was this topic, the feeling like you have to do everything and, um, you know, there's all these expectations on women and, and difficulty saying no and difficulty um, setting limits and, um, and taking care of, of themselves. And so, and, and that's also showed up in my own life, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but when I was, after I had my first child, I actually stopped working in the clinic setting and I did a year of online therapy. Um, so I, I worked at Talkspace, which was a really interesting experience. And then after that year, I decided I wanted to go back to seeing people in person. And so I opened my own private practice where I have been for the past four years, um, specializing in women's mental health. And then this past year, I've branched out to Instagram and started to develop um, some workshops and other ways of engaging people um, in a mental health capacity, but in some some different ways that are outside of just therapy. What an amazing career. And so you said you were a talk space therapist. Yes. Yeah. I worked for them for about a year, probably a year and a half, actually. Very cool. I see that everywhere. I'm so curious about it. Did you enjoy your work there? I did. And it's interesting. I started before it got super big, there was probably a hundred therapists when I started. And now it's 
a, a massive company. So yeah. it was it was really nice for the time when I wasn't sure how I wanted to be a mom and be a therapist, and mm-hmm. it allowed me to work from home, which was a blessing and a curse. Um, right, that was a loaded thing, but I, so I enjoyed that, and I think it it got me comfortable. Um, doing audio, doing video, um, writing down kind of some therapeutic thoughts, which I actually figured out I really enjoyed. Um, And I found it was easier than I anticipated to connect with people just through writing. But after about a year and a half, I was really ready to be done with that. I had found it was really difficult to keep work and home boundaries because work was happening from home. Um, right. But I, I also feel like it's benefited me as we've went through um, this pandemic and quarantine is that I've kind of navigated some of these workplace home, you know, work coming from home um, boundaries. I had navigated those in my work with Talkspace. So I kind of revisited some of those things that helped me at Talkspace. Definitely, especially right now during the pandemic, so many people needed to work from home and they're yes. struggling with those blurred lines. So you were pretty prepared for it this time. I was time. prepared. I never knew it would prepare me for this, but it did. <laughs> yeah. Everything happens for a reason at yes. times, right? Yes, for sure. Awesome. So today's topic is called You Can't Do It All. And I'll be honest, I think I want you on this episode to help me more than my (laughs) audience because I'm definitely a type A personality. I'm a workaholic in recovery. I'm like an over planner, over committer habitually. And I really need you to teach me a few things about managing my priorities and learning how to say no. I'll do my best. Yes, I'm sure you will teach me and my listeners such good tips. Um, And, you know, I'm the type of person who wants to do all of the things all of the time. And I know so many people can relate to this, especially women. And many of the clients I work with also resonate with the strong desire for high achievement and want to be able to take on everything, you know, be the best student, worker, employee, friend, girlfriend, daughter, so on so forth. But in doing so, it brings on a lot of stress and anxiety for them. So Alina, I know you led a workshop on this topic. Do you see a pattern of this frequently in your practice with the women you work with? Or what was the inspiration for the workshop? Yes. So I really resonate with all that you're saying. And my my inspiration for that workshop was twofold. One, it's definitely something that showed up in my own life of trying not to take on too many things and also feeling like um, I've been rewarded for taking on mm. so many things. Like yes. it's, it's been something that's been celebrated and validated. Like, look how much you're doing. You're amazing. You're superwoman. And so I've had to work really hard from detaching from that identity of, doing so many things and, you know, seeming like you're managing all of it um, makes you uh, good enough, makes you worthy. I've really had to do a lot of work around that. So, so part of it is my own life of Mm -hmm. can't do it all is kind of my, it's a, it's a nurturing statement for me. It's a reminder. You're human. This is not doing everything is not gonna um, give you 
give you worth and give you self-esteem. And so that's kind of my been my mantra that helps me slow down and just recognize what I can do and what I can't do and what I want to say yes to and no to. Um, and then that's, it's been something that I've helped women that I work with as well kind of identify um, when they are trying to be superhuman and when they need to recognize they're only one person. So it, it has showed up in so many ways in my practice. And, and most women don't even know that they're doing it. They have so much on their plates and then they wonder, why do I feel stressed? And why am I anxious? And why am I irritable? And why can't I sleep at night? And why do I feel overwhelmed? And when they tell me everything that's on their plate, I'm like, well, no wonder you feel the way you, you do because you have so much. And, and they had never questioned most, most women I, I see have never questioned why do they, have so much on their plate. Um, right. Could they perhaps say no to some things? Um, a lot of women I see have never thought that that it was an option for them to say no. So that's kind of my twofold purpose for that workshop. Yeah. And I love that you bring up the point of, you know, we've been rewarded for this type of behavior and mentality. Like maybe we've had so many good job opportunities um, educational opportunities, friendships, like we've really, this behavior has been reinforced. So we don't really see it as a problem until it becomes one. Yeah. And in fact, I think in some ways when maybe when you've tried to say no or set a boundary or, um, say I have a limit here that might have had negative consequences for you, like someone being disappointed in you or someone, um, you know, maybe not reaching out to you in the future. So I think particularly women have experienced positive and negative consequences with this. Definitely. Definitely. So in your work, do you think this notion of having and wanting to do it all is seen more in men or in women? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I just see women more. And so maybe yeah. I have a bias here, but I feel like women as a culture get this message. Like it's culturally embedded for women yes. that they have to do everything. And I think for men, it shows up too, but I don't see it being a part of male culture. I think right. individually I hear it in men, but I don't think there's that cultural pressure uh, that women experience. Right. And that they can relate to it in the same way. It probably shows up in a very different way. Yes. Yeah. So why do you think our generation of women and the ones coming like after us feel this notion of needing to do everything all the time? Like, did our mothers and grandmothers feel this way too? Was it talked about then? I, I think in some ways it's tale as old as time. There's always been a lot expected of women. And I'm sure generations before us had a lot of pressure to do all the things. Um, and I think comparison around women has always been around. So I think yeah. in some ways it has always been around. But now why I think this has blown up even more is because one, social media before, mm-hmm. maybe generations before, you knew what people in your neighborhood were doing. You know what people right. in your immediate circle were doing. Now we know what thousands of people are doing and we can compare ourselves to thousands more people. Right. And right. so I think the pressure has ratcheted up. Um, 
I think that there's always been a lot expected of women and there's always been maybe this lack of attention that women pay to themselves. You know, women are tuning into their own needs and their own wants and, and how things are affecting them. But now I feel like what was expected of women has increased. Now we're, um, you know, supposed to, uh, work full time and be moms full time and be friends full time and be partners full time and exercise full time. So I think just the amount of things women are expected to do has increased. I agree with that. And that's what I was thinking too. Maybe, you know, further back in the day, women weren't working as much, you know, they took on the role of homemaker and that had a lot on their plate. And I give credit for women who are choosing to be home Um, But then there's also another group of women who are working full-time or part-time and taking on that second shift when they get home and being completely overwhelmed. And with our younger generation too, you know, with college pressure, graduate school, or finding a career in in the field as a woman, that could be stressful. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, culturally, it's been passed down generationally. Yeah. Yeah. And now I just think it's been passed down and now the list of things women are expected to do is just more, it's more and more and more. So it's always been there. And now I feel like it's getting worse. And don't you find like, we feel guilty when we try to like step out of that role? Like we want, we know we're doing too much, but then there's still this guilt for trying to delegate or have someone else do it. Do you see that with people you talk to? Oh my goodness. So Mm -hmm. much. I think that's probably the biggest thing that comes up when we try to push this mentality is guilt is who's Mm going to do this if I don't, or I'm going to make someone upset. I'm going to ruffle feathers because people are used to me doing all of this. And so if I have if I say no, or if I try to delegate, then, then people are going to push back. And, and I think, I think a lot of women haven't been taught how to deal with people being displeased with them and how to, how that's okay to not make everyone happy. It's okay. If someone um, is disappointed, like you don't have to take that on. I, I think women mostly are are conditioned to be people pleasers, at least what I found. And so when you're not pleasing people, it's then going to bring up guilt and it's going to bring up feeling like you've done something wrong, which then keeps you stuck doing too many things. Wow. I agree with that so much. And I bet a lot of people can resonate with that, that are listening to this. Yeah. So do you think this habit of taking on too much can be learned from our own family systems or be a reaction to our own family systems um, when we were growing up? Yes. Oh, for sure. I think I think you may have had it modeled for you. Um, maybe mm-hmm. you had a mother or a father or just, you know, someone in your life who um, – did this same, like, oh, I can do all of these things. And maybe you saw them in a positive light. Like, look at them. They're superwoman. They can take on all these things. Um, I think there's some family cultures who really reward this behavior. Um, mm-hmm. If you can, if you can manage a lot of things, you might get validation that you don't get from any other thing. So you learn, oh, if I want to be recognized, if I want to be seen, I should 
take on all these things and that will that will give me attention and that will give me praise. So I think the family system is where this can all start from. Great point because we the family system is kind of like that model, that template for how we function in our relationships and express our emotions. So it's possible that we were raised by individuals who had the same mindset and praised you for having this mindset. And that's also kind of where the guilt might come in. Like I've heard people say like, oh, if I delegate this to somebody else or if I don't do this, like how am I going to tell my mom or how am I going to tell like my mother-in-law she's going to judge me because they almost feel guilty for stepping out of this type of role and they're fearing that judgment from people in their family. Yes, absolutely. And I think there's a comparison too, like, well, my mom could do all of this stuff or my sister could do all of this stuff and she doesn't seem to get stressed. And so why can't I do the same thing? Yes. Or like every night I was home with a home cooked meal and like it wasn't questioned and like this pressure to continue that as an adult yourself when your life really might be different from what your mother's life was like or your grandmother's life was like. Things have changed drastically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think we are we as humans are notoriously bad at saying, hey, I'm glad that works for you, but that doesn't work for me. Instead, we feel like, oh, I'm falling short. Why can they do it? And I'm, I can't, I must be doing something wrong. Instead of, instead of celebrating differences, I think we often get caught in this comparison trap and feeling like we have to do things exactly like someone else or we're falling short, we're doing something wrong. Definitely. And I also see this um, projected into couple relationships. So I, I see a lot of premarital and newlywed couples. And this conversation comes up often about how their family of origin functioned and how they kind of expected it to function the same way in their couple relationship in terms of maybe like gender roles. Mm-hmm. Um And now they don't want it to be that way. So someone's having a problem with it. And someone's like, well, my mom always did this or my dad always did that um, because that's what they grew up with and thought was normal. Um, And that leads to a lot of conflict in the relationship because they don't want it to be that way. So it's really changing the expectations, you know, what's expected to happen in the relationship and who does what when. Yeah, I'm nodding my head off here because I completely, I completely connect with that. And a lot of times those expectations are unconscious. Um, Yes. That you're, you're assuming things or you're, you saw this your whole life. And so you just expect that that's what's going to happen without maybe ever consciously thinking that or saying that out loud. And so those unconscious expectations can really bring up a lot of a conflict because you don't even know why you might be upset that this is this is a different pattern or this is a a different dynamic exactly exactly so I mean this is a pretty destructive cycle to be in you know I see a lot of my clients who are young adults um, sacrifice their mental health to be able to keep up with doing it all to keep up with the grades the job the financial status, the zip code, the whatever it may be, like they want to be good at everything all of the time. Unfortunately, I think it's um, part of teen culture too, especially where I am 
based out of in Westchester County. There's a lot of pressure to be good at everything all of the time. And sleep is sacrificed. Mental health is sacrificed. And then it's rewarded. So they stay in the cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, How does someone kind of get out of this cycle? Let's say they're kind of now, they've moved from their childhood and teen years, they're a young adult, or they're 30 something, and they're kind of tired of this cycle. How can they start to get out of it? So I think first, I think first is this awareness of how has this impacted me trying to do it all, taking on all these things and being rewarded for it, sure, but getting caught in this vicious cycle that's that's ultimately destructive. So what's been the impact? Um, how has how has this been feeling for me? How has this been going in my life? And, and then I think once you realize that impact, then you could say, okay, now what do I want moving forward? How do I mm-hmm. want to prioritize my life? What things need to shift and change? And that might mean sacrifice. That might mean making some people upset. Um, most of the time, it's just temporarily, but, but it yep. might mean ruffling some feathers, but what things need to shift. And so what I will do with people sometimes is, is talk about um, their values. I had at the workshop, uh, the Brene Brown list of values. And so mm. look through those values, um, circle what you really value, maybe do a top five values, and then look at what's going on in your life right now. Is what you're doing in your life right now lining up with your values? And if it's not, why not? And if there are things in your life right now that are not lining up with your values, is that something that needs to go? Is that something that that you want to stay? Um, is that something that you can maybe back up from? You don't have to completely let it go, but you could um, ease up on it and maybe do less of it. And so that's how I'll start the conversation um, mm-hmm. with folks. And I, I feel like there can be resistance to that at first, but I think that that values discussion really does help people see how maybe things aren't aligning in their life. And if they're feeling anxious or if they're feeling um, overwhelmed, then they kind of start to connect the dots. Like maybe I feel this way because my life isn't aligning with what I truly value, what I truly prioritize. Yes, value identification is so useful. I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought that up. That makes sense. So really guiding them and helping them to understand what their values are and are they reflecting that in their daily choices? And if yes. not, how can they start to reflect that? Yes, exactly. And and I will say, you know, you're you're, you're probably envisioning this too that this is not easy work. You know, these aren't Mm -hmm. things that you can just, I mean, some things are easy, like maybe to say no to a committee, maybe you can do that the next day. But most of these are, it's going to be a process. It's not like flip the switch and then you, your life magically aligns with your values. Um, This is deep work and it's a process. And so I think just to point out that it's okay that this is going to take time and to not, I think this is the danger for the the people who try to take on everything at once is that they try to take on this all at once. They're like, okay, right, well, right. I'm going to rehaul my life. And, and, and oftentimes they do too much too soon. Exactly. I love the same type of people are going to do this again when they're trying to change. Yes, exactly. Yep. It's so true. So, 
I always bring things back to thought patterns because um, I think our thought patterns are so um, influential over our choices and our behaviors. How do you think people can change the way they think about all of this? Are there any like reframes or affirmations people can use? Well, my favorite is obviously you can't do it all. <laughs> yeah. um, I think one thought pattern that I have found maybe is the deepest is this feeling of worth that mm-hmm. your worth is in your ability to do everything. Right. And that's how you can feel validated. And that's how you can feel um, like you're good enough. And so I think that's the biggest thing to challenge, really, that biggest thought pattern is like, who are you if you're not performing? What do you have to offer if you aren't saying yes to everything? That is so useful because so much of our self-worth gets tied into achieving, producing an outcome, like it makes us feel like ourselves. So then when we let go of that, we kind of get lost and have to kind of look at ourselves and see what else makes us who we are, which is so interesting given like the timing right now of like the pandemic. There's so many people that were attached to their roles in life in terms of their job and there's been job losses. And so they've had time at home alone not attached to a career or other roles of like maybe the committee or the sport or the activity or the this or the that, it was it all disappeared. And so a lot of people were lost because of that. They weren't living out all these roles anymore. And so yeah. their self-worth was really challenged. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think there are some people who found a lot of freedom in that. Like, oh, finally, I don't have all these expectations on me. And I think there were yeah. a lot of people who felt like, who am I if I'm not busy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, I, I think this time is a really good time to reflect on that very question. Who am I when I'm not busy? And then as things kind of return back to somewhat normal, what do I want to add back? And what do I right. want to just permanently let go of? Yes. And like, I could totally relate to that. Like this podcast that I'm making is a result of me not knowing what to do when things slowed down. I was like, what do I do with myself now? Let me go back to my old habit of working a lot. You know, like I enjoyed the downtime a little bit and then I got antsy. It's my personality type. I'm like, oh, been wanting to do that podcast. I'm going to do it now. I have the time. So I relived and created that pattern. So it's interesting how it shows up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think when we get in that survival mode is when we can go back to old patterns. Yeah. Yep. And exactly. I, I think it's all about like that can it can be a good thing to you know, I think your podcast is a great thing. But I think it's all about your motivation. You know, if you're right. doing it to fill a void or because you don't like to sit with yourself, then that's probably something you need to look into. Whereas if you're doing it because you have the time and you have the energy right now, um, then I think that's a, that's a really good thing. But I think that, and maybe this ties into thought patterns a, a bit is that looking at your motivation, looking at um, like, is, is this a healthy pattern that you're contributing to? Is this positively impacting you? Is this fueling, um, 
something good in you? Or is this kind of maybe some maladaptive way of coping or something that you're avoiding? Good point. And, and so for me personally, like doing my podcast is really energizing for me. Like I'm excited about it. I feel energized after, but when I personally tried to be a blogger and write blog posts, that was really draining and it wasn't a right fit. Um, so you're exactly right. How do you feel when doing it? Is it energizing you or is it draining you? Yes. And I, and I think there's a lot of people who don't tune into that feeling. They're just kind of going through the motions and they're not tuned into impact. Yeah. Is it draining or is it energizing you? And I think a lot of people aren't paying attention to how they actually feel when they're doing something. They're just going through the motions. Right. It's not so intentional, which I think is also a product of how we live our lives. So fast paced, constantly connected to our phones. We don't have the downtime to sit and think and reflect like we used to, which is so sad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I I completely agree with that. I had a client tell me one time, I feel like my life is living me and I'm not living my life anymore. And that quote has stuck with me because that ties into exactly what you were just saying, that we live in such a fast paced world that we don't pause to think like, is this the life I want to live? Like, am I making choices that, that really reflect how I, I want to show up in this world? And a lot of times we just go on autopilot and we don't think about that. Yes, it's such a good point until we do. And that's where we, we need you to figure ourselves out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Slow down, everybody. I am so happy to announce that my first ever online program, The Path to Peace, is here. This is a step-by-step mini course to help you create your unique anxiety management routine in just seven days. This was designed to help the overachieving, people-pleasing perfectionist gain control over racing thoughts, manage overwhelming feelings of anxiety, and craft a self-care practice to optimize their mental health through evidence-based treatment methods. These strategies will leave you with a sense of freedom from your own thoughts, help you live more presently, and make decisions out of intention instead of fear. The course includes the exact process that I use with my one-to-one clients in my private practice that has resulted in them telling me that they feel like a new person because of implementing the tools they've learned from our work together. You can find the link to the Path to Peace in the notes section of this episode and on my website, carinocounseling.com. So how do you usually support a client who comes to you and says, like, I'm so overwhelmed with everything that I want to do, like, I want to do it all, and I'm committed to doing so many things, and I just don't know how to fix this situation I'm in? Yeah. Yeah. I I oftentimes will talk about the mental load, which I think is really important to recognize what's on your mental load. So these feeling, the, these things that you want to do, that you feel like you have to do or should do. Um, and then the things that you're doing that, that nobody else is doing. So what's on your mental load? I'll often have, um, have clients run through their typical day. So I can just see like, how much are they taking on? How much time are they giving themselves? And, and oftentimes it's way too much that they're taking on. So first I'll, I'll start with just getting the, the big picture and then seeing 
how that goes. And this, this loops back to what we were talking about. Like, how are you feeling during this stuff? Are you feeling frantic? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you um, rushing all the time? Are you constantly having to double check because Mm -hmm. you have too much on your mind and you're forgetting things? Right. Um, Because if, if someone wants to do 20 things in a day, but they feel energized and they're not feeling any of those things, I'm like, awesome. That might be the pace for you. Um, but for many, that's not the pace for them. That's just the pace they feel like they, they have to go at. And so it's this assessment of like, how is this actually working for you? And then I, I like to talk to people about, um, what you, when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. So, so right. for people who fall into this mentality, they want to say yes to everything. But what they don't realize is they might be saying no to something else. And that could be saying no to themselves. It could be saying no to time with their partner. Um, it, but you're always saying no to something. And so I think right. recognizing that is very helpful for people because they just, they feel like they can say yes to everything and they're not saying no. And so that realization is a helpful one to kind of slow down and look at what, what is this costing you? What are you saying no to? What are you potentially missing out on by saying yes to the kind of these physical things? That is such a good reframe. You know, if you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And what, what are you saying no to? And most of the time it's your own like sanity, you know, like you're saying no to your own health and wellness most yes. of the time. Yeah, exactly. It's sad. It's it so is. sad. It is. I I think a lot of people again are running at this pace and they're just go go going and they're not in tune with how it's affecting their mind, body and spirit and when they slow down and really look at like how is this working for you? Most of the time this answer is not very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, but we get attached to it. So it's hard to let go of it. Oh, yes. And I think that's a really good point, too, is that the, the attachment to that type of lifestyle. And for a lot of people, when they start to try to do less, there's this kind of emptiness of like, well, what do I do when I'm not doing things? Um, yes. How, how do I just like, how do I sit down? How do I relax? I, I don't. I don't think I can do that. So there's Mm -hmm. definitely a discomfort um, when you start to try to scale back if that's the answer for you. Such a good point. It's very uncomfortable to go through this. It's not easy. So that's why people avoid it. They don't want to face that discomfort. They think the worst will happen. But when you really test it out, it's not as bad as you think. You'll get through it. Yes. And, And which is worse, the discomfort or feeling overwhelmed and anxious and maybe not showing up for things than the way you want to. Because that's that goes yeah. back to what I was saying before about there being a cost. Is that when you have too much on your plate, when you're saying yes to too many things, then you might be showing up for things as not your best self. So when yeah. you say when you scale back and you can say no to some things, then the things that you do say yes to, you can be there and be 100% and really be proud of the work that you're doing, proud of the way you're showing up instead of feeling like I'm only giving half of my effort to all of these things I'm involved in. 
Exactly. No, I think that's so relatable for so many people. Yeah. So do you have any advice or tips for someone who needs to kind of slow it down and prioritize their commitments and choices? I think first I would go through that mental load to look at everything that's like write down your typical day, the things that you have to think about, the things that you have to remember, all the things that that go on in your life. And then and then it goes back to those values. Are, are the things in my life right now, are they lining up with my values? Um, and I think sometimes it's, it's a, a good first step to see like, are there simple things you could say no to? Are there, is there like one thing a week that you could cut out? Or are there things that you could maybe scale back on? And that's sometimes a good gateway for people is instead of doing something three times a week, could you try it one time a week and just see how that works? So you kind of are like, you don't have to commit to anything too soon. You can you can see how this goes, see how this works for you. So I think scaling back can be a good solution for people. And then if there are things that you absolutely have to do and no one else can do them, but they feel very burdensome to you. Um, is there a way that you can make it more enjoyable for yourself? So when I think of my mental load, something that I don't enjoy doing is paperwork. And so when I do my paperwork, um, and this is pre-pandemic, I'd go to a coffee shop and I'd get my favorite drink and I'd put in music and I would be I do my paperwork, you know, in an enjoyable setting. And so it kind of gave me this like reward for doing it. Yeah, I love that. So I think that's also, I think that's also part of this is like figuring out how you can make this, even if there's things you have to do, how can you treat yourself a little kinder and a little bit more compassionately? Because I think oftentimes we just push ourselves at a brutal pace and we don't do anything kind for ourselves. We're just kind of give ourselves the bare minimum. And so if there's anything kind of more compassionate you could do for yourself, even if there's things you can't take off your your mental load, I think that can help immensely. That is such useful advice. And even within that, I feel like we think there's things we have to do, but even that could be challenged and picked apart. You know what yes. I mean? Like, like really you have to do that like why why do you have to do that you're choosing to do it but we sometimes falsely believe it's a have to or a must to you know and it's not so even that takes some challenging from someone like a therapist to be like really you have to do that why what what led you to believe that yes and what would happen if you didn't so even if you don't let go of it think about what would happen if you didn't do this And I think that is um, another thought pattern that even if it's something, even if it's like work, you could, you have the potential to not go to work. Um, Now that might come at a cost, but I think even knowing you have a choice frees you up because I think there's a lot of have to and should, and I don't have any choice in the matter. And so even if it's not a choice you would ever choose, you still have that. And I think there's freedom and power in recognizing, oh, I do have a choice here. Even if I'm never going to choose that, I do have power here. Yes, I think the choice can be so useful to just reframe the feelings around these have-tos and these musts. Yes. it's a really good point. And I'm also thinking of like the fear, like 
there's a lot of fear behind changing this. As you were saying, there's this fear of what's going to happen if I don't keep up this way. And we often think of the worst case scenario where we think we're going to crumble or we'll be a fraud or like our success won't happen. We think we have to keep up this pattern to keep life going the way it is. So there's so much fear behind changing this habit. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I think when you break free of this habit, there there can be work to be done. Like it might reveal some imposter syndrome. It might reveal some self-esteem issues. And my challenge to that would be those things have always been there. You've just been hiding them. And so this is going to be, this is going to pop up in one way or another for you. And so it's better to face it now than in a year from now, when maybe you get burnt out and this all blows up in your face. So it's better to kind of intentionally do this work now than wait till you have no choice but to do it. Such a good point. Such a good point. Well, this has really been so useful. It's so amazing. There's so many things to kind of go back to and like reflect on. And I just think you're awesome at talking about this. You know what you're talking about. I think we could have continued this conversation for um, another hour. Yeah, like maybe you should be my therapist. <laughs> maybe we have lots of work to do, obviously. There's so many so, facets to this discussion, though. I mean, really, any one of these we could have just gone off on. But but yeah, this so is so true. There's so much to unpack. So what kind of services are you currently offering? So I am going to be doing a virtual can't do it all workshop, which um, is exciting because it would be available to anybody um, in the country, in the world. Um, And before I had it in Rochester, so obviously limited to Rochester. So that is coming up um, and you can, you know, follow that on Instagram, but I I, my private practice is currently full, so um, it's just going to be, I think it's going to be more workshops for me coming up, which um, I will be sure to post about on Instagram. That's so exciting. And the fact that you can do workshops virtually now, like, opens this opportunity for anyone listening anywhere. Yes. So that's awesome. So where can people find you to learn about the workshop? Yeah, I think the easiest way is um, from my Instagram, which is Elena Talks Therapy. Um, Elena underscore talks underscore therapy. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll definitely link that in my show notes on my website under my podcast tab. So this has been so useful. I can't thank you enough, Elena. Justine, this has been a really great conversation. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. Please consider subscribing so you can stay updated when new episodes are released. And don't forget to check out the podcast show notes to find any resources that were mentioned in today's conversation. Thank you for listening and enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.